Our scripture for today is found in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A couple of weeks ago, I used this passage from James as a part of our town hall meeting that we had on Facebook Live. If you missed that, you can actually go on our front page of our website and look at it and preview that. But I wanted to return to this passage again because I think it addresses a lot of what we are experiencing right now. I don't know about you, but I am ready to get back to normal. I am tired of this pandemic. It's time for it to go. It's, it's, it's what my soul wants, but I'm not sure it's what I'm going to get. I don't want to be in this situation we are in right now, this situation we find ourselves in in our country. But here we are. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about the the time that we are in right now? Will we let these external pressures shape us? How will this pandemic shape our worldview and our theology? Or will our theology shape how we see this pandemic? Now, Our initial reaction to hard times most often is fret and worry. That's what I usually do because the reason is we want to be in control. It's during this time, though, that we realize that we aren't in control. Most of us, though, would prefer a a false sense of security over this reality and the truth that we aren't in control. And it builds up this anxiety within us as we wonder what is going to happen. The anticipation of the unknown, it it just stresses us out. That's just the way we are. But let me remind you of this stark reality. You're not in control, but neither am I. But let me give you a deeper truth than even that. We serve a God who is in control. He isn't shocked by what is going on in the world around us. He knows what is going on. He wasn't caught off guard because of this coronavirus. He is in control. So you might be asking yourself the question, if God is in control, why did he bring this virus upon us? That's a good question. Why? There are all kinds of people out there trying to answer this question of why. And they're giving reasons. Some are saying that this is uh, God bringing judgment on the world. Others are saying this is fulfillment of of prophecy, that uh, it's something that we deserve as a people or as a a nation. The, The problem with these reasons, though, is we don't know because we are not God and we are not in control. I don't believe personally that God wants this to happen. And we have to remember this truth. Or maybe you don't know this truth. God 
God is not the author of all things, but he is the master of all things. Let me say that again. God is not the author of all things, but he is the master of all things. And I think that's important for us during this time. If we go all the way back to Genesis, when God is creating the world, if we remember God created everything and it was good. And on that final day of creation, when he created human beings, you and I, and we were created in his image, and it was very good. See, we were created in the image of God, and we are called to be children of God. That's God was the author of that and the creator of that. But here's what happened next, our, our rebellion, our sin. It's the reason that there is suffering and death and pandemics in the world today. It's not what God wanted or what he created. But hear this, and to me, this is the cool part. God loved us in spite of our rebellion and in spite of our sin. And he has overcome the destruction that we have caused and is in the process even now of redeeming what we have broken. We serve a God who is in the business of redemption. He is redeeming even now his creation. God loves us. God loves his creation. And because he is the master of all things, what does God want from us during this time? This is where I want us to return again to this passage in James. As we begin to get an answer and understanding, uh, and, and I love this passage, but let me read it to us again. Uh, it starts out, James 1, 2 through 8. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, Consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind." For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. James, he just jumps into the deep end when he starts his letter here. He doesn't give us this big opening statement. In James 1.1, he just basically says, Hi, this is James, a servant of God. And then he jumps into his thesis. Uh, when you face trials, consider it joy. When you face trials, Consider it joy. Now that's a novel idea, isn't it? Instead of considering this situation as an inconvenience, maybe God wants to work in you and through you. Maybe God is giving you this time to mature your faith, to strengthen you for even greater things, to give you a hope and a future that, that doesn't depend on external circumstances. Consider it joy. Is this time testing your faith? Then consider it joy. I, I believe that God wants to work in us and through us during this time if we'll let him. The, this quarantine time is an opportunity if we'll let it. How will we not just get through this time? How will we not just get through this experience, but how might be God using this time, using this experience to mold us and shape us more into his image? The testing of our faith produces 
endurance. And that endurance will help us to lack in nothing. We will lack nothing. We are walking through what I believe is an unprecedented time in, in our history. It will change us. Uh, we won't be the same person after this that we were before we came into this. But the question is, how will it change us? Will we be closer to God or will we be further away from God? Will we be more grateful for what we have and, and, or more of a, a hoarder who fears losing what we have? Will we be more prone to thanksgiving and gratitude and praise or more prone to self-destructive habits? Consider it joy. And James goes on from there to give us an important lesson. The testing of your faith produces endurance. And endurance will make you mature, lacking nothing. And then he tells us, if, if you're lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. You know, if you're not sure what to do during this time, pray. Good advice, huh? You know, as a pastor, that's what I would tell you. Pray. If you don't know what to do, pray. But we should also ask God to give us wisdom. And because we serve a generous God, I believe he will give us wisdom. I I believe he wants to give us good things. Consider it joy and ask for wisdom. Now, when James is speaking of both joy and wisdom, we must understand his, his meaning. For most of us, joy comes from the ability to be, to be able to get onto Amazon and, and purchase whatever we want to. Or joy comes from the immediate gratification that we get from being able to go out to our favorite restaurant and, and eat a great meal. Joy is being filled. That's what we think of oftentimes when we think of joy. But for James, joy is an understanding of the deep sacrifice and the love of Jesus Christ for us. Joy is the result of being in the presence of God. Joy is being in the will of God. Joy is beyond ourselves. Joy is in service to God and humanity. It's not an instant gratification thing. It's the the deep well of wisdom of the joy of our salvation, even in the midst of trials and temptations. For James, wisdom comes from God as in, and is an understanding of trials. It teaches us the responsibility in, 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 our, in the world and our calling to love God and to love others. Here's the thing about wisdom, godly wisdom. It, 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 it doesn't walk in irrational optimism, thinking everything is just great and everything is uh, rainbows and butterflies. But neither does godly wisdom walk in this narrow pessimism of the world that looks at the world and sees that everything is terrible and nothing is good. Rather, godly wisdom kind of walks down this, this narrow road in between. The understanding that there, there is evil in the world, but also the understanding that God is good and he has overcome. That's, that's where we are called to walk. See, that's where this this godly wisdom holds these two in check. It recognizes the power of evil in the world, but it doesn't allow evil to hold sway on our thoughts, on our lives. Godly wisdom recognizes that God is in control, but even though he is in control, we are called to walk through trials and to grow in our faith. 
you know, we, as we've been going through this Easter season, just to give you an example, it's, it's, it's this wisdom that is the recognition of both Good Friday, where evil had its say in crucifying Jesus, but also with our eyes to the horizon of resurrection for Easter. That's where godly wisdom leads us. And this wisdom and this joy is oftentimes born out of trouble, out of temptations, out of trials. That's what I want us to remember. J.R.R. Tolkien, who's uh, one of my favorite authors, he, he understood this godly wisdom and he, and he placed it in many of his writings, in his fictional works, especially in uh, the book, uh, The Lord of the Rings, the trilogy that he wrote. And, and when Tolkien was writing this uh, trilogy, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, he was remembering a lot of his experience, the trials that he went through as he fought during World War I. He saw the worst of humanity, but he also saw the grace of God at the same time. And in his book, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, Tolkien has this conversation between the lowly hobbit Frodo and the great wizard Gandalf. And I love this quote, this passage, because it, it shows us both the grace of God and it also shows us this, this deep truth of walking in godly wisdom. Uh, and I quote, Frodo says, It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill Gollum when he had the chance. And Gollum is the, uh, the evil one in the, in the story. And Gandalf said, Pity, it's a pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Many that live deserve death. Some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death in judgment. Even the very wise cannot see all ends. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play in it, for good or evil, before this is over. The pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of many. And Frodo replies, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf wisely replies, So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides that of evil. I love that quote. It speaks of this deeper wisdom from God that walks the narrow way between blind optimism and worldly pessimism that recognizes that there's more than evil at work in the world. We have to decide what we will do with the time that we are given. How will we use this time? that we have right now? Will we consider it joy or will we waste it? This is the warning that James has for all of us as he finishes up this little section. Let's go back to the passage, uh, verse 6 through 8. James says, But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. We must ask in faith and not doubt. And the picture that James is, is painting here is, is of someone who never really makes up their mind. Someone who constantly goes back and forth between decisions with no real predictability. Someone who doesn't have a, a steadfast character. Like a, a wave on the ocean, you can't predict where, where it will start or where it will break or where it will end. And these doubts leave us 
subject to external forces. We begin to wonder, is God really there? If, if God act, can actually do what he says he will do, or if we even want God's help. The type of person that James is, is speaking about is, is the one with divided loyalties, who wants to keep all the options out on the table before them, a person who is kind of open to the highest bidder without conviction, someone who wants God, but only if it's convenient, only if it's easy. Let suffering and trials come, and they're the first to leave, to pack up and go. See, but it's in these times of trials and temptation that our character is being formed. It's in trials that our faith truly becomes faith. And, and I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, when he's talking about the church, when he's talking about you and I. He says, like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In this passage, Peter is encouraging the the church to stand firm in obedience. And he uses this metaphor that we are living stones, rejected by the world, but being built into this spiritual house. And he contrasts this image of of Jesus as being the chief, the cornerstone, the foundation rejected by the world. But he should be our foundation that we should be built upon. Will we build our life on this foundation, this cornerstone, or will we be double-minded looking for a better option when times get tough, when trials come our way? You know, all the apostles of Jesus, they understood this double-mindedness. They experienced it. Before the resurrection, each of them wavered in their faith. Even after the resurrection, some of them doubted. They feared, but they had to make up their minds. As the trials came, they were forced to make up their mind. Will they stand firm or will they flee in fear? Now, I think it's important for us to understand the difference between the doubt that James is talking about and the doubt that all of us experience from time to time. All of us, every human will experience doubt at times about God about his goodness, if God is really there, if life has purpose, that's a given. But the doubt that James is talking about, it comes from a life of half-hearted or divided intentions or affections. It's living a life as a Christian that doesn't fully commit our lives to God and the way of life he's called us to. It's like still, it's like being married and still having a, a mistress on the side. It's It's like... Owning a small business that constantly communicates that it's honest and and deals fairly with its customers while trying to take advantage of them while they're not looking. It's it's like a politician who campaigns on honesty and integrity while taking kickbacks and bribes. We can't live double-minded lives as a follower of Jesus. And so as we walk through this time of, of quarantine and and separation, I I want to invite you to really lean into your faith more and more, to to seek ways to grow in your faith. I I want to invite you to begin or to continue faithful spiritual disciplines that will grow your character and devotion, that you will consider it joy, that, that demonstrates your willingness for your character to be matured so that you lack nothing. Now, some of our spiritual disciplines are being put on hold right now. Communion, baptism, gathering together as a a large group. 
But I believe that God is calling each of us to lean into some of those what I would call inner disciplines, those things that we can do uh, by ourselves or with, with our family. During this time, God is calling us to grow deeper, to consider it joy. We can't control the days, but we can tr- control how we use these days. So what are some of those inner disciplines, those things that we can work on? Joy. We can, we can be intentional about being joyful. We, uh, gratitude. Gratitude. Peace. We can be working on our prayer life or meditation or fasting or, or Bible reading or Bible study or even family study. Those are things we should be looking into. But as we finish today, I want to read again this passage from James one more time. And as I read on it, uh, meditate and see where God might be leading you right now to use these days. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, never doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything. From the Lord. So, what's your next step? I hope that you have been spurred on to take action in these days that you're not in control. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Charlie invited you to every morning when you wake up to say the Lord's Prayer. I think that's a a great discipline to help you kind of get your day started right. I would add to that that as you're saying that prayer, that you would just consider it joy that you would begin even in the morning to be shaping how you're going to face the day, to face it in joy. Maybe add that to your Lord's Prayer as you're getting up in the morning. Uh, A second thing you could do is maybe end your day in gratitude, writing down five things that you're thankful for from God for that day, just to keep you focused on what God has done in you. Maybe your next step is to start a new spiritual discipline this week. It's going to be different for each of us what that discipline is. Maybe you need to be praying more. You could jump in uh, on uh, the weekdays, Monday through Friday. We're doing morning prayer. We're going to be starting at 8.30, starting this next week on Facebook Live. You can join us for that. And then I would invite you to share with someone what that discipline is and to have them hold you accountable. I hope you will consider it joy this week.